Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We're on preparing a dwelling place. Come on, so let's get our Bibles out. Rhodes Church, we love the Bible. We get excited when we open it up because we believe that uh, it is Jesus speaking to us directly. So if you got your Bibles, get them out at Mount Carmel, Carlinville, E-Rhodes family, Norris City. Let's open them up to Exodus 29. Woo! Exodus chapter 29. Preparing a dwelling place. Preparing a dwelling place. Verse 42 is where I'm going to begin reading whenever you're ready. Love to hear the pages still turning. Sermon notes are available there in your worship guide or on the YouVersion Bible app if you want to check those out as well. Verse 42, here we go. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by the glory. So I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, and I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to speak through me, to me, that we will all hear your voice. I pray that it will come alive in clarity of communication and reception. And most of all, Lord, I pray that we will just encounter you through the preaching of the word and through the signs that follow. Be magnified, Jesus. We love you. Amen. I've been talking about five phases of dwelling with God I found in these verses. Five phases of dwelling with God. Here they are, and they're in your notes. Number one, they all start with the letter E. Enter, the first one. Number two, engage. Three, encounter. Four, evacuate. And then five, endure. So I'm going to talk about the first three today. Again, I'm going to reference the first two shortly just to build a foundation, and then we're going to spend the the rest of the time on the word encounter because this is encounter weekend, and so we're wanting to encounter him and his presence. So the first one found in verse 42 is enter or the door. Look what he says here in verse 42. He says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. What did we say that the door was? If you're here for the first time, you're going to have to play a little bit of catch up. But in John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me. So look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is the door. He's the one that we have, to ent- we have to enter through for everything that he wants to do in our life. Jesus is the door. You got that? So now, when we understand that, then we understand also that once we enter through, you ever been outside of a room, outside of a building or something, and you came in a door, and once you went in that door, now you could see things you could never see before. That's what it's like when we go through Jesus, he will show us things we could never see without him. So he's the door we have to go through. So if there's things that God wants me to see that I can't see now, a.k.a. walk by faith, substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, I have to go through the door to be able to see what he sees for me to walk by faith. I can't walk by faith when I only see what I see. Does that make sense to you? So we got to go through the door. 
All right, uh, we, what else is the door? John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So if the door we have to enter is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word, according to John chapter 1, he is the Word, then the Word, the Bible, the Word of God is the door we enter through. I'm laying that out because I am convinced this is the most overlooked foundational elementary principle in being a follower of Jesus. Because we want something else to be the door. Because we don't want to read the Bible. So what we do is we adopt our own belief system to get around this one. I want someone, something that fits my conveniences. So I would like to make the pastor the door. And I just come to church and listen to him or her, and that will be my door. Wrong. I am not your door. The Word of God is your door. I'm going to preach you the Word of God, and therefore you can receive it, and then you can go through that. But I am not your door. The person you watch on TV, stay at home, and I'm just going to watch preachers on the internet, or I'm going to watch them on TV. They are not your door. The Word of God is the door. Our need is not the door. I don't want to read the Bible, so I'm going to adopt my own mindset that if I need it, God will give it to me. So my need becomes my door. That's not your door. Just because I need it doesn't mean I'm going to get it. My want is not my door. My begging is not my door. We have to learn how to pray biblically. Praying biblically means that I'm not just going to God thinking if I beg him hard enough, long enough, I will twist his arm and get him to release what he reluctantly doesn't want to give me. That's what religion teaches us. Just pray harder. God, give me please. I'm begging you, God. I want it more than you wanted to give it to me, so I'm going to convince you. That's not prayer. That's religion. Prayer, the door, is the Word of God. So I find scriptures that talk about what I need, and I go to God, and I talk to him about what he already said. And I say, Jesus, you said that your peace would pass all of my understanding and guard my heart and my mind. And right now, I am freaking out. <laughs> so I pray for the peace of God that passes my understanding to guard my heart and my mind in Jesus' name. That's a good prayer. It's a good prayer. I didn't have to beg him to take something away. I had to speak what he spoke to come into me. I'm not teaching on that, but that's good nuggets. So the door, we enter, enter through the door and we're going to be saved and we're going to find pasture, John chapter 10 says. We're going to go in and out and find pasture to be saved. Here's another thing I need to clear up is the word saved. Some of the things I've got to lay the foundation for real quickly. The word saved is a Greek word sozo. It doesn't mean just born again. Religion has taught us the word saved is an event that we do one time. That is not the word saved in the Bible. The word saved is the Greek word sozo. It means to deliver, protect, heal, preserve, make whole, and rescue. I'm going to need, the Bible says here, go in and out and find pasture. That's a process. That means I may need rescued. I may need protection. I may need deliverance more than once in my life. 
So the word is what I go through when I need deliverance, protection, rescuing. I go in and out through the door of the word to find pasture. What does pasture mean? Pasture for a sheep. We are sheep. Pasture for sheep, the food, the grass, it's their livelihood. They need the grass, the 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 area they're feeding on, they need it in order to live. We need the word of God in order to live. We need it in order to live. So this is what God's wanting to do. He's wanting us to go through the door for everything we need in life and not use it as a morality handbook. Here's what religion does. Again, I'm just addressing some things quickly. Religion says the Bible is something that I know I'm supposed to do and I know I should read it more. The famous quote that I get all the time. Well, I know I should read it more. Well, here's the answer. Then do. (laughs) Right? Just do it. Well, I know, but I don't have time with all of my streaming and all of my (laughs) flipping through Instagram and Facebook. I don't have time for that pesky Bible. Right? I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying we make excuses for what we want to do. And he's saying here that, listen, this is what I want you to do. For life, I want to, use, want to use it for your livelihood. So if you have trouble with your marriage, your family, your children, you're having trouble with isolation and comparison, you're having trouble with voices of the enemy and lies bombarding your mind all the time, if you're believing for something, for a future spouse, if you're believing for, for a financial increase, if you're, if you're believing for something to happen in your life, then let's go through the door of the word. Go through the door. I want God to bless me. I want God to bring increase into my life. But I just don't want to tithe. I want to go through another door. God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Yeah, bring me another verse. I want another door. I want another door that doesn't, yeah, let's move on. But I'm telling you, we need to go through the right door. And some of those doors, I just saw this in my head. It just flashed in my head. Not everything that flashes in my head, I let out. I'll just promise you that. You don't want that. But I saw this. I saw, (laughs) I saw, I'll just use myself. Myself trying to go through a very small door. I'm not the tiniest of guys in the world, but I was trying to fit through this door, and it was snug. It was hard to fit through. Not every door in the word that I go through is going to be comfortable. Yeah, we want those nice, comfy doors. All right, so number one is enter through the door. We've got to go through the word. Number two, quickly hit this one, and then we're going to move on to glory. Number two is engage. Once we go through the door, we have to engage it. We have to engage it by faith. If you missed last week's message, all I'm going to do is do this, and you can watch last week's to get engaged. Engage, this is the word of God. This is the will of God. It's the driving gear. This is what's controlling everything. Here's me over here. If I want to experience what God wants me to experience in my life, I have to engage by faith. I have to believe what he says, and I have to move close enough to him that what he's doing, all of a sudden I engage with that, and now it begins to affect my life based on how he's moving, not on how I want to move. He's the driving gear. I'm the yielded gear. So I have to engage what he wants to do in my life. It doesn't just happen automatically. If I'm not getting what God wants for my life, I may need to check and say, wait a minute, why am I not experiencing God's will for my life? It's because I haven't engaged it. Well, I don't want to do it on those terms. Then that's fine. It's never going to impact your life. I have to engage, okay? Again, see last week's message. All right, now let's go to number three. Phase three is encounter. Look in verse 43. 
says, and there I will meet the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my what? By my glory. Sanctified by my glory. Be set apart by my glory. The word glory is abundance of manifestation of presence and power. Here's where phase three is. Phase three is three. Three is where. It's been a long weekend. Phase three is where God begins to fill us with his presence and glory based on the truth that we engage. So I found something in the door. I found some truth, what God says about my situation. I engaged it by faith, and now I begin to encounter the glory of that. Let's, give, let's look at an example of this, okay? Go to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to tell you a story here. It's going to be familiar to some, maybe not to others, but hopefully afterwards you will see what God's trying to tell us. I'm going to scoot this back a little bit, give me some room. Things could get wild. All right, I'm going to show you all five phases here. Sorry, that is not true. I'm going to show you three phases, all three phases here. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. We're going to show you the three phases that we're talking about. Enter through the door, look for it, then where this lady had to engage, and then where she encountered, and I want you to put yourself in this position. I'm going to try and do the best to communicate it, so I put myself in there, and I want you to put yourself in there, because this is, can be, maybe you don't have the issue that this lady's dealing with, but how many knows we all have issues? What's the old saying? If you don't think you have any issues, that's your issue, right? All right, Mark chapter 5, look at verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. How long? 12 years. And she had a flow of blood. This flow of blood is an internal issue. It's an internal issue. It's something going on on the inside of her and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. Now this verse 26 is no shade or no discredit to physicians it's just in this situation, she had used all of her resources and done all that she knew to do. They had done all they knew to do, and they just could not help her in this case. It doesn't mean there was nothing they could do for any case. It just means in this situation, this particular issue, nobody could help her. She actually got worse, right? Now, how many knows that just because we do all we know to do doesn't mean that's all there is to do. Yeah. I'm going to address another religious problem that we have in our life is because we think because I make this statement, I've done everything I know to do. Therefore, it's all up to God. Makes us feel good, right? What if the possibility that there's something that still could be done to engage <laughs> what God wants in my life, but I just don't know about it yet. I could say, my car is not working, and I can try what limited knowledge I have, and I can't get it fixed, and I've done everything I know to do. I pull up to the mechanic. It's running, but not very well. It's making this crazy sound. I don't know what's happening. I pull up and I say, hey, here's my car. It can't be fixed. He's like, why not? Because I've done all I know to do. He's like, well, maybe there's something I know that can help you. 
he or she spends 10 minutes with my car and it's fixed. What happened? A higher level of knowledge brought me to a place I could not go on my own. Why do we think that's not the way in the kingdom? Because we like to give ourselves passes and give ourselves get out of jail free cards to take no responsibility and just say, it must be either God wants it to happen or it won't. That's what had happened here. She spent all she had, no better, but rather grew worse. But look what happened in verse 27. She heard about another option. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. Jesus is what? Jesus is the, Jesus is the door. So she heard about Jesus. Jesus was doing some things. And she heard about him. Jesus was performing some miracles. She heard about him. She was in need. She had issues. She had problems. Nobody else could help her. She tried everything she knew to do. But she heard about Jesus. So she had the door. Notice, here's the door. She entered the door. Now, verse 27 and 28 should be really mixed around this way because there's a timing issue here. Verse 27 could be read this way. When she heard about Jesus, that's why she entered the door, Then, after that, she said these words based on what she heard. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So just, again, illustrate it real quickly. She heard about Jesus. She's over here with an issue. She said she hadn't done anything yet. She hadn't done a thing yet. She just said, if... Only. Only. If only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. She said it in her heart. Was there a a rule that said, wait a minute. If you touch the hem of his garment... I don't know if she was referencing this. I don't know how well-versed she was on the Old Testament prophets. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it talks about that the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. We're like, oh, wings. No, that wings is a Hebrew word, talit. And the word talit was these little things that they tied knots around the bottom of their prayer shawls. And those knots represented the word of God. So when she said, I may touch his garment, other, verse, other chapters say that she wanted to touch the hem of his garment, the edge of his garment. So we'll give her the benefit of the doubt that she was saying, if only I can touch the talit, the word of God, the son of righteousness will arise with healing. So she heard about Jesus. She said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Okay, so she's making that statement. Now what? Just because... You open the door, you see something, and you say something, you're not done. If only I may touch him, I shall be made well. That's an awesome belief. Now what? Now what? I got to go touch him. I have to walk out what I say I believe. Here's the rub. I see the right things in the Bible. I believe the right things in the Bible. But where I struggle, I don't know about you, is in the walking out what I say I believe. 
Because in the walking out process, this is where things get a little bit tricky. Because now let's go back to verse 27. She said, I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And look, the, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Came behind him in the what? In the, in the crowd. Here in the crowd. Understand contextually, this is a woman with the issue of blood. That time in the Bible, she's unclean. I know that doesn't mean anything to us. But to them, when you're unclean, you're not supposed to let people touch you. Because when you touch unclean people, make things that touch them unclean. So when she would walk up to a crowd, she was not allowed to walk through a crowd. She had to walk around a crowd, and she had to say, if anyone's coming near her, unclean, unclean, stay back, unclean, 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 right? Don't come near me. So what would people do when she'd say unclean? Oh, get away. I don't want to touch you because if I touch you, you make me unclean. So she had to go through and say that. She's, she's unclean, so she couldn't touch people. But what did she do? She came behind him in the crowd, in the crowd, in the crowd. Okay, come on, let's, here's where we jump in the story. She went through the door. I hear something about Jesus. I'm going to engage him because now I believe that if I only can touch him, I shall be made well. What's the problem? What's the problem in me actually getting to him? There are obstacles in my way. There's a crowd, and the rules say I can't go through the crowd. The rules of the day, the laws of the day say I can't get there from where I am. There are obstacles in my path. So she took the mind to say I'm more concerned about what I'm trying to touch than I am about my obstacles. So I'm going to cut through the excuses, I'm going to cut through the obstacles, I'm going to cut through the opposition, because when you touch the hem of the garment, you don't do it up here. The hem of the garment was down low. The talits actually were close to the ground, and you had, you had to reach low. And so when she said, I'm going to go through the crowd, she had to come down like some like this, trying to get through. She's like to weave through people. Can you see it? Like weaving through fear, weaving through insecurities, weaving through opinions of others, weaving through doubts and unbelief. I got to get through. Why? Because I'm trying to touch the hem of his garment. But there are things in my way. And the problem is our theology, we've been taught or untaught that if I experience problems trying to engage what I believe, something's wrong. We haven't been taught enough that pressing through opposition is part of the process. Because we will, what we want to happen, here's what we want to happen. Here, I'll just say me. I'm not including you. Let's say me. I want to see it. I want to hear about Jesus. Jesus can touch me. Jesus can heal me. I heard about him. There he is. There's lots of crowd, lots of opposition, lots of obstacles. Hear what I want to say. I want to say, I believe if I touch you, I'll be healed whoosh, they part like the Red Sea. And I just stroll up there. Boop, yeah! Do my little jig, whatever. I don't know what that's about. It's my healing dance. Right, don't we want that kind of answer to prayer? But I'm telling you that 
engaging and encountering God is going to have, it's going to require us to press through obstacles and opposition. The church needs to understand that as long as we are on this earth, the, those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We will suffer opposition from the enemy. The enemy is not just going to hand over the promises of God without opposition. This is why Paul wrote to Timothy and said to him as a pastor in a church, he said, listen, endure hardship as a good soldier. Fight the good fight of faith. Get through whatever opposition you got to get through because what I want to encounter is worth what I have to go through to get it. Well, you don't understand. It's really hard. I know. I know. I shared with him. I said, you... You don't understand the warfare I went through sitting there before in their worship in the first service. It was incredible in my mind. I was ministering to someone in the baptisms the other night, the immersion service, and, and she said, I just struggle with my thought life, and I, I just, I'm trying, and I just struggle with these, these lies and suggestions. And I said, hey, if you only knew what I go through up here, you'd have one of two responses. Either you'd be encouraged because I can relate or you would run from this church because you think I'm crazy. <laughs> one of two. But this woman had to go through this opposition. She had to press through. And I'm just here to encourage somebody. Just because you have to press through some stuff, don't stop going. Well, it's just really, I just feel like I'm getting bombarded on every side. I, I'm engaging, I'm trying, I'm believing what God says, but it's like there's resistance trying to keep me from getting there. I know. Keep going. Keep going. Well, I know, but when, it's, when is it going to be over? When we get to heaven. But we thought there was this utopia experience in Christianity that if I push all the right buttons and do all the right formulas, I won't have any resistance. I don't know who taught us that, but we need to stop listening to it. That if I'm following the manual of Jesus, the enemy is going to be in my path. So she touches him, verse 29. So she entered through the door. She engaged by saying it and by actually following through on her belief and doing it. And then for verse 29, when she touched him immediately, somebody say immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. This is an interesting word. I read over it the first time. I just, you know, because that wasn't the point I was wanting to highlight. And God said, look that up. So I looked up the word affliction. I put it in there in your sermon notes, I believe. And it's the word mastix in the Greek. And the writer chose this word on purpose. And this word was the word used for a Roman whip for flogging criminals. She was healed of this torturous thing that was happening in her body. It was figurative for sickness and disease and plagues, but the literal word was used for a weapon of torture for flogging criminals. When I read that, I began to think, and some people think 
that sickness is something God is giving to people. If that was the case, how come every time Jesus came in contact with sickness or disease, he healed them? Why did he cast out demons that were attached to sickness? He didn't cast out angels that were attached to sickness. It's just telling us where it comes from. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have to deal with it. It doesn't mean we're not going to face it in our life. We are. But it's giving us a source of where it comes from so that we can put our faith in the right source while we're fighting, while we're pressing through, while we're engaging. I'm not always going to win every battle in this war. I'm just going to encourage myself for a moment. There are going to be times in this war that we call life that we're going to lose some battles. But just because we lose some battles, we don't throw up the white flag. We keep pressing up the hill. If I'm fighting beside you in this war on earth between the kingdom of God and the the kingdom of darkness and I get shot and go down, don't you throw up the white flag. Send me back to the medic tent, give me some help, and you stay in the fight. This is what we're supposed to do. So now look, let me finish this, finish this. So she touched, touched him, healed of her affliction, torment, and verse 30, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself, notice she knew in herself that she was healed. She felt in her body. He knew in himself that power, the word dunamis, which means miraculous power, had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, yo, man, dude, you see the multitude thronging you. This is an important Greek word. Thronging you doesn't mean they're behind a barrier cheering for him. They don't have stanchions put up on a path for Jesus to walk to and wave to people. They were thronging him. They were all over him. Everyone was trying to get to Jesus. I would be too. I'd be like reaching over under. People thronging him, thronging him. And he said, hold up, hold up, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you serious? You're seriously asking that question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I, I felt dunamis come out of me. What? Somebody pulled a miracle out of me. They pulled miracle power out of me. I felt it. He did not even know who she was. He stopped and said, who, who pulled the miracle power, power out of me? Oh, we, we, have a, we struggle with that theology. Yeah. Oh, that, we, we don't like that theology. We like to just read over that. Nope, if God willed it to happen, it would happen. If he doesn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. Well, how come this person right here pulled something out of him that the rest of them thronging him did not pull? I don't know, but I'm saying it happened. I'm not criticizing any of the other people. I'm not trying to explain it into a formula, A plus B equals C. I'm just saying it happened. So I got to deal with it. Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling. Why is she fearing and trembling? Because she's not supposed to be touching anybody. She could be cast out of the synagogue. She could be stoned. So she's not going, it was me. 
She's not doing that. She's like, it's me. It's me. Please don't kill me. Please don't stone me. Please don't kick me out of the synagogue. She came down before him, and she began to worship him. And he said to her, what did he say? I love these words of Jesus in the red. He says, daughter, my will has made you well. Is that what it says? Different translation. My Bible says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Three words, made you well. One Greek word, sozo. Same word used for saved. Saved is not an event that happens one time in my life. Sozo is something that happens when I encounter Jesus. And he says, daughter, I didn't even know it was you, but your faith pulled something out of me into you. And it has sozoed you. Your faith has sozoed you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Uses the same word for torture or torment when he uses the word affliction. Here's what happened. She heard about Jesus. She had issues. She heard that Jesus was touching people with issues. So she engaged with that and she said, hmm, okay, Jesus can heal my issues. I'm going to, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well problem is there's opposition to that so I'm going to have to press through that and I'm going to have to go after it. A lot of us I mean we, we all want to be healed that's not a problem of want to and our problem is theologically we've been taught that my want to is enough my want to is not enough I have to believe and go through the right door now you say so here's what we do oh boy Jesus help me, help me I don't want anybody getting there I don't say this because I've never had any failure in this area. I've had a plenty. I've had plenty. You don't pastor people for yesterday was 16 years. Exactly, I've been pastoring this church. I've been preaching in this church for 24 years. Yikes. I started early. But I thought about that this weekend as I was approaching the day. And I thought, Lord, you know what I began to think about? I didn't think about all the great things that had happened. You know what came to my mind? All the failures. All the missteps. All the things that didn't go the way I wanted them to. All the times people died that I prayed for. You know the tragedy in your family that you're dealing with trying to get over? That's great. My heart goes out to you. I have those over and over and over with every family member that I stand in faith and agree with them and somebody dies. Now that's not asking for sympathy. I'm just telling you I can relate to the issue of trying to navigate and fight through the issue of I want it, I need it, how come is it not working? How come it's not working? So God is saying, listen, if we're going to encounter his presence, I have to learn to go through the right door. The door is not just God, I want it. The door is what does the word say about my situation? I have to engage like this one. I want to follow her example. I don't want to follow someone's cold theology that never gets any answers. 
I don't want to follow some with an argument that tells me that those things don't happen anymore, that those things have passed away and it doesn't happen anymore. I don't want to follow them. I've already seen too much. It's too late for me to tell me it doesn't happen. I've seen it happen. A man with an argument is no match for a man with an experience. I've experienced supernatural healing. So if I've experienced it once, I'm going to go for it every time. I'm going to go for it. I may not hit it every time. I may not get it, but I'm going to keep pressing through the opposition. I don't know what issue you have, but here's what I'm going to tell you as we go. Your issue may not be a flow of blood. Your issue may not be healing. Your issue may not be, I read some of them. Let me give you a couple examples. Maybe you relate with these. Maybe you're here and you need healing with your marriage, your family, your children. Maybe you've got a wayward child. Maybe you've got wayward parents. Maybe you've got a marriage that's on the rocks. Maybe you're dealing with pornography issues. In a room this size, people watching online, you would be shocked the number of people that are dealing with pornography that are sitting here. We're not talking about those bad, nasty people out there. Ooh, that gets too real. Religion doesn't like it when we get real. Sorry. People are dealing with these things, and they have to go. God wants to give you freedom from that. Addictions of alcohol, addictions with drugs, addictions with, with issues, with eating disorders, with problems. These are all the real issues. Demonic oppression. We don't want to talk about that. We want cute sermons and go to lunch. But I'm talking about we saw people get in the water that drove for hours to come. Why? Not because they wanted a better church. Oh, I'm going to stay here for a second. They're not looking for a better sermon. They're not looking for a better song service. They're looking for an encounter with the power, the dunamis of Jesus. They need it. This is is what I'm hungry for. I don't want another theological debate that has no end. I want a powerful experience with God. Because real people are looking for real answers. And I'm not the answer. He is. He is. So I don't know what your issues are, but I know who the issue fixer is. His name's Jesus. So I want you to bow your heads with me if you don't mind. Thank you, Jesus. And here's the question I'm going to ask right from the jump. What are you willing to press through to get your answer? What are you willing to press through? Are you willing to press through fear? Are you willing to press through Intimidation? You're willing to press through discouragement? Are you willing to press through previous failures? It's a big one. Because once we fail in an area, it is very difficult to go back at it again. Disappointment looms large in battling our faith. I deal with it all the time. All the time. So I don't know what your issue is. Yours may be an internal issue that nobody sees just like this woman. And you may think, I'm just unclean. I'm unclean. It's too late. Like the word came earlier, it's too late. But I'm telling you, this woman, something happened with this woman. Everyone was touching Jesus, but she touched him in a way that it drew something out. And here's what I felt like God was speaking A lot of people will brush up against Jesus, but they will never touch him. A lot of people brush up against Jesus at church because he's here. His presence is here. 
They'll brush up against him, but they'll never touch him because they're not looking for that. They're looking for it to happen in a way they want it to happen. They're looking for it to be comfortable. They're looking for the parting of the Red Sea. They're looking for no opposition. I don't know what they're looking for, but I'm just saying we, we start to prepackage our desires and say, God, touch my life this way. And God says, you may have to do something uncomfortable. You may have to press through the crowd. You may have to press through fear, opposition, disappointment. I don't know what it is, but will you engage and grab hold of what Jesus says and encounter his presence. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.